Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. I need you to do the drum beat. Ready? It goes like this. You know what? I'm just a drummer. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Hold on. I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. Hold on. Hold on. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the video of the of the giant gorilla sitting behind the drum set? <laughs> yes. That's one of my that's one of my favorite commercials of all time. It's incredible because that song is great too. Oh, it's a classic. It's a it's an amazing song Thanks. and also Miami Vice. So. Oh yeah, you know. that's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, it's Phil like part of my child, childhood. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, sorry. That's your that's your line. It's time to say how's it going. Oh no! Hey everybody, how are you doing? You are listening to the Command Zone. My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, and this is our post PAX episode that is just filled with stuff that we did at PAX. Yep, we're back. We're back. Not that the show was ever gone, but Jimmy and I were both gone traveling. Yeah, you had three. Uh, the so Josh released a vlog of his experiences at PAX, and the first scene is him hauling every single piece of luggage down the hall that, you, that you've had for the past three weeks, I guess now. Yeah, so we went to London, Copenhagen, and then Iceland, and we flew directly, by we I mean me and my girlfriend, uh, Ethel, and we flew directly from Iceland to Seattle for PAX, and then we did all the PAX stuff. Uh, yeah, and we had a lot of bags because we bought stuff. And then also yeah. we were in cold climate places, Iceland, so we had like big jackets and coats that we had to lug around. When Ethel had a giant jacket on when I saw her on, yeah. I think, Saturday, I was like, that's perfect. It's kind of cold and rainy in Seattle right now. Like, I did not pack for this. I had, yeah. to, buy a, I had to buy a hoodie. It worked <laughs> out. You went to Toronto Yep. for, uh, what was it for? The, for some... the North American League of Legends Championship Finals. Very exciting. Super exciting. Yeah. And then you went directly to PAX. Had yep. to carry my EDH decks because I didn't want to have to get them through customs in four different countries. It's interesting. Only uh, So I went through a few airport securities. For those of you that have traveled with Magic decks, they always check it because it just is a giant, thick, you can't see through it on the x-ray, just blob of stuff. Uh, they only ever checked all the deck boxes once. Really? Usually they just kind of, they like looked at it. One time they just swabbed it. One time they opened one up. And they're like, what is this? I'm like, it's... It's 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 a card game. They're like, oh, cool. And I always just go, like Pokemon. And they're like, <laughs> okay, we get it. Pokemon, I've heard that name recently. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, but you got your decks back. Now you, I can finally hand them back to you as well. Um, we should mention our sponsor, Card Kingdom. You've heard us talking about it for many episodes now. We continually get tons and tons of feedback from all our people on Twitter and the comments on YouTube and on Rocket Jump mm -hmm. um, about how they love using Card Kingdom, how good they are, how fast they ship. You need to use the affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command zone, so that they know that we're the ones that sent you. That's the best way to support the show. You really need to be pre-ordering all your Kaladesh stuff right now. That's right, because you're done pre-ordering your Conspiracy 2 stuff. You already got your Conspiracy 2 stuff, and now it's Kaladesh time. So order all that stuff through Card Kingdom, um, and use that affiliate link, and you'll really be supporting us. I mean, you're gonna get, you're gonna order that stuff anyway. Might as well get it from the best place that's gonna get it to you the fastest and yeah. support your favorite podcast. 
Thumbs up. Uh, so PAX happened this last weekend. That was exciting. We had a, we both had a blast. Josh, you got to go to PAX for the very first time. Yeah, it was my first PAX. Um, it was really cool. I was a community ambassador, which meant that I was involved with like the professor from Tularean Community College, mm-hmm. Maria from uh, Magic the Amateuring, a bunch of other like people that are involved in magic, some streamers, some people from different countries, yeah. YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers, all kinds. Uh, so that was really fun. We got to do a bunch, a tour of the Wizards of the Coast from offices. From Mark Rosewater himself. Mark Rosewater that, gave the tour. That was amazing. Cool. Um, but, and I did a vlog of that entire experience. I also got to sort of ride your coattails, and my vlog also includes what you were doing, Jimmy, which was even bigger and even cooler. <laughs> we're calling you Mr. Magic now. Oh, boy. Jimmy was the MC of the... Jimmy the Red. I like that. Mr. Magic makes it. I'm corporate now, guys. I've sold out. <laughs> it's all over. I wonder what your Viking name would be now, because, you know... Like it's like so and so dragon eye or whatever. Oh, it's like right. The Viking. You're like Jimmy Red Belt, Ma- Red Magic, Red Magic. I don't know. I don't know what your Viking <laughs> name would be, but it would be better than what we just said. Um, yeah, Jimmy was the MC of the opening and closing ceremonies for all of the Kaladesh uh, magic stuff i guess yeah it was really cool uh i got to it was just basically the on friday and monday the first and last days of pax magic started off with the show and ended with the show and we previewed a bunch of cards and we introduced the first mechanics everyone learned about vehicles and uh fabricate and energy counters energy counters yeah oh boy we're gonna spend a lot of time in the future talking about energy counters that's for sure uh so that was a lot of fun and we both got to hang out all weekend was awesome we played a lot of magic we went to card kingdom itself uh, make sure you just watch Josh's vlog, though. It It is an, a perfect encapsulation of everything. Like, when I watch it, I'll, I usually, I'm not going to lie, when I watch a vlog, I just don't. I, I start it, I kind <laughs> of skip through, skip ahead, and I'm yeah. just like, yeah, well, okay, cool, cool, yeah, your life's so interesting, yay. <laughs> uh, but when I watched yours, Josh, I sat beginning to finish and didn't stop. I just sat there and watched it, and I was like, this is a lot of fun. So you did a great job. I'm, I'm excited. You Thank guys should you. all watch it. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. The, the, the links will be in the show notes. The prof is in there a lot. Like mm-hmm. I said, Maria's in there. Jimmy's in there a prof lot. Prof is hilarious in it. Yeah. Um, a bunch of, you know, we were hanging out with a lot of different people from the Magic community, so even like Andrew Brown's in there for a quick little bit. Yeah, and like he, that. he threw it out to you. It's great. He did not forget that you beat him at a PTQ once. It was nice of him to bring that up so I didn't have to. <laughs> I was really he's, happy about that. He's not going to forget that. I'm sure he remembers that everyone that he's played I wasn't to a sure. certain degree. Yeah, those, those guys usually do, but For sure. I wasn't sure Andrew even knew my name, but evidently he does, so that's yeah. cool. Um, so this episode, yeah, this speaking, episode. Speaking of packs, We got to hang out with a, uh, we got to have like interview time scheduled with certain employees, so uh, we got to sit down and talk to Mark Rosewater, who's the lead designer uh, for, uh, of for R&D. all of Magic. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and talk about Kaladesh and a little bit of Four Color Commander stuff, and we mm. also... Got to talk to our good friend Gavin Verhey uh, about Kaladesh and the new Arch Enemy product, which is like the first one in six years or something, he said. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's actually still a ways off. It's coming out next year, but he was the, um, I believe he was the, I think he was the lead, lead designer for Arch Enemy. So yeah. super exciting. We're going to do both of those interviews. But first, I can feel it coming <laughs> in the air. We've got our Kaladesh preview card oh yeah we should have mentioned this at the top of the show to keep people burying the lead <laughs> um <laughs> jimmy exactly jimmy it's got to be becoming passe for you you've previewed so many cards i feel like now like the command it's great the command zone gets preview card i'm not complaining but this is just like it's usually like your i don't know 
15th or 16th card that you're revealing to the world by the time it gets to our show. Yeah. Like you seriously, that's you, true. For Eldritch Moon, I, I previewed three cards. Yeah, I think maybe four, and then if you count the other side of the meld cards too, that might be like <laughs> yeah, that's, just, that's yeah, a lot yeah, extra. Yeah, text. exactly. Oh boy, if those are separate cards, then it's really like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. I'm just happy I got to preview Emrakul. That is that was the coolest. But what far. about New Chandra? I mean, New Chandra was great too. But really, that I mean, credit goes to uh, to um, Christine Sprinkle yeah, for, true, for true. being Chandra on stage. And I'm just biased. I'm just up. biased. I just put all of those under the Jimmy Wong reveal <laughs> category. But you're right. Other people did some, I guess, some some stuff. Christine like came out like dressed as Chandra with fire on. Yeah. Just so, like, but whatever. That's deal. a Jimmy Wong reveal. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have an exclusive Kaladesh preview card for the command zone, which is really exciting. So, do we want to drum roll it? Terry, drum roll, please. This card is Padim, Console of Innovation. For three and a blue, you get a 1-4 legendary creature Vidalcan Artificer at rare. And he says, Artifacts you control have hexproof, and at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control the artifact with the highest converted mana cost or tied for the highest converted mana cost, draw a card. And the flavor text, impress me. I love the flavor text, actually. Impress me. Yeah, so Padim is like the judge. Yes, uh, he's of, like the judge of the science fair. Yeah, and boy, does he have a big head. Well, he's smart. Yeah, he's He very also smart. has like a little uh, flying, is that a fabrication? What are we calling those flying things? Uh, it looks like a servo-esque token. I'm not sure exactly what, it's like a butterfly made of metal. You know what it looks like? It looks like that metal owl from Clash of the Titans, the original, not oh, the new yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's it's a really. Yeah, just saying. That movie, by the way. One original. Of the one of the greatest of all time as well. Um, yeah, I love the flavor, right? He's the judge, and if you have the artifact with the highest converted mana cost, he rewards you by drawing you a card. Yeah, and the artifacts you control have hexproof, so already I think this is very powerful. Um, Craig has a Memnarch deck that I think this would 100% be happy to go into. You have a Muzio deck. Yeah, the Muzio deck, uh, that would actually, this entire set is just like dripping with cards that that deck wants to use. Those two decks are going to become so much more powerful. Uh, this card definitely slots into those decks. Um, and there's some blue-red artifact-themed decks mm-hmm. that exist, maybe some blue-white ones, too. My question is, is this a... Do you see that this card is powerful enough to be its own deck? So that, is it powerful enough that it would be the lead singer, mm-hmm. you know, Padim would be, and maybe Muzio and Memnarch would be in the deck? Or is it just not... Is it just an in-the-99-type power level? He feels way more utility. Yeah. Uh, just because it's... I mean... If you're in mono blue, you're going to find more ways to draw cards than once each upkeep, and you have to have an artifact. Because you're already, in a, any monocolor deck, already going to have a ton of artifacts to help you ramp out, because you don't have the other colors right. to help you out there. Your um, artifacts getting hexproof is good, but I don't yeah. know that it's... doesn't uh, give himself hexproof, notably. Yeah. The interesting thing about this card, I think, is I don't know how many decks even really want him necessarily unless you have a i think it's very meta dependent so in our our, we've have people destroying artifacts all the time but Mm -hmm. usually happens because of something like shatterstorm which blows them all up at the same time yeah vandal blast vandal blast sorry shatterstorm Shatterstorm also does it yeah so it's kind of like people want to get the most out of blowing up stuff padim is interesting or like hercules recall or cyclonic rift or planar outburst cards that just destroy everything yeah you're right there's not a ton of you know, you get utter ends sometimes mm-hmm. and anguish on makings that'll do it. But I'd say, you know, seven times out of ten, what's destroying your artifact, it doesn't care if it's hexproof or not. Yeah, I think your deck needs to really 
like if Blightsteel Colossus is your win condition, then Padim gets that much better. Yeah, hexproof and indestructible is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I think it gets there. And I know a lot. I mean, like my Muzio deck, that is one of the win conditions. Right. So like a hundred percent, this card's going in there. So I don't know. He seems very utility. I'm sure that in the instances, right? He's one of those cards where when you play it, the impact if you if your deck is going to really use the hexproof bit, people will go, oh no. Because all of a sudden now they can't do the thing that they wanted to do. Right. Padim is there, and he's drawing you cards on top of that. So I think the the drawing cards is if it happens, awesome. If it doesn't, no big deal. Because you really care about the hexproof thing more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, seems cool. Card. All right, I enjoy it. Well, that is our preview card for Kaladesh. Now we're gonna talk to Mark Rosewater. Actually, we already talked to him, and uh, we talked to him and. You get to hear us talk to him again. Right. <laughs> Listen, if you don't know who Mark Rosewater is, we'll explain it, but you should probably know. He's the head designer for all of Magic. Mm -hmm. He's the lead designer on a lot of sets. I don't know all of them. I'd say Mark is probably like the second most important person to the game of Magic ever after Richard Garfield. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, I think the entity of R&D itself is the second most important thing after Richard Garfield. And Mark well, Rosewater right. but is as, the head. Like he is the face of R&D. He's been the custodian of Magic for like a very long time. Mm -hmm. Now, other people have designed some of the sets in there. And, and, you know, it's not just him. But as far as like, you know, handprints on the game, I'd say Mark is only behind the guy that invented the game. As yeah, I think between Mark and, like, Aaron Forsyth, who's also a major part of yeah. R&D, like, that's... They are essentially the, the ones... Yeah, the custodians, the guardians of, of what magic is. So it was really awesome to be able to sit down and talk to him about Kaladesh, which he considers, as you'll find out, one of his top sets he's ever designed. Mark Rosewater. Hello! How's it going, Mark? Going good! Yeah, uh, so we've gotten to hang out a lot this weekend, which is always a blast, uh, and it's... This is going to be coming out after PAX, of course. Mm -hmm. So what a great weekend it was. <laughs> it was an awesome weekend, the weekend now. Success. Uh, <laughs> yeah, every day was great. I feel that's very safe to say. Yeah, well, yeah. so far it's been going amazing. So yeah. unless like a comet hits the earth or something, I think we're going to Unless Chandra comes back yeah. and just burns us to dust. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm excited. I mean, clearly you're very excited to talk about Kaladesh. It's been in the 16 months, you said, you've been working Since on Since I handed it off. Wow. I've been working on it for... Three years or whatever. I mean, I, I started a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, that, we have a long process. I don't think people even really understand how long our process is. Yeah, this is something we try to explain occasionally on the show. But yeah, how, how what what is the timeline? Well, I mean, for example, just to, so right now, today, like this month, I'm going to hand over uh, Spaghetti Block, which is the 2018 fall set, and start work on um, Milk Block, which is the 2019 spring block. Yeah, so it's two years from now, but that doesn't even count the time you're working on it before you hand it off, right? Right, so and when I talk about I'm working on something, that's actively working on it. I have meetings right now where we're talking about steps as far as 2022. Wow. So, like, so you're, we, you're churning on that stuff for, that's six years, man. Yeah, long, long time. Wow. Yeah. And here's the other thing. Like, in the last, I figured this out. In the last month, I've had meetings about 10 different blocks. How do you... How do you keep that all straight? Do you have like a spreadsheet somewhere or like, are no, you like a super... I just, it's why I can't remember anything because I have all these things I have to remember. <laughs> like my podcast, I always like forget like words or like, I try to remember a card and what people don't realize is I have so much information I'm trying to keep. <laughs> Holy moly. And the thing is most people who work in R&D don't work on every set. So mm -hmm. like a lot of people are like, oh, they work on this set and then that's, you know, and so they're very familiar about certain sets and then there's a kind of like, yeah, they play test or something, but they don't really know the sets. 
but I'm in charge of the whole thing, so like I have to know every block. Right. Like I, I have to make sure it all clicks together. So like I can't not pay attention. Um, and just to make things even more fun, I'm the <laughs> spokesperson, so I got to keep up to date on everything that's now because I got to talk <laughs> with the public about you know all these things that are currently going on. So wait, when do you talk to the public about stuff like that? When does that happen? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, fortunately, Kaladesh is a set that you're very excited about, uh, and for good reason. Uh, do you rank it very highly in sort of your favorite sets to have worked on? Yes. It, it, I mean, it is in contention for the best set I've ever done. I have not yet given the number one slot, and Innistrad's currently the number one slot, um, but it is in contention. At least I need to see how it plays out, I need to see what the public thinks of it, but I mean, like, it's in contention. It is an awesome, awesome set. It's really good. What are the factors that go into you putting it on the in the pantheon of the great sets that you've worked on? Um, I to me, like for example, Kaladesh is my twentieth lead, for example. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've made twenty mm -hmm. sets, some with other people. Like uh, I co-led this with Sean Main, so mm -hmm. like not all of them were solo endeavors. Um, but I, it has to do with a couple things. One is the I'm very holistic. So like the end result, like how does as a whole, how does it feel? Like, the cool thing about Kaladesh is, it's it's not the pieces. The, the metaphor I've been using is cooking. So like, I feel like I made an amazing recipe. And are there eggs in it? Yeah. I've used <laughs> eggs before. Uh, is there some flour? Yeah, there's some flour in it. You know, are there one or two new ingredients? Yeah, there's a couple new ingredients. But, like, it's not the ingredients. People get so focused on, like, the artifact theme or, like, components right. of it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Those are just ingredients in the dish. What I'm proud of is when someone takes the dish, they go, ooh, that's really good. That's what I'm looking for. It's, like, the, the net results of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't think when people look at, like, a dish, they, like, they, they go, well, hmm, let me isolate the components of it. Well, and very yeah. rarely do you eat a food where it has anything you haven't tasted before. But yeah. very often you're like, ginger? I never would have put ginger in there. And right. that's really what makes that... This is something I've never tasted before. Right, and Kaladesh to me is that thing where it's not that it's not magic. I mean, it's clearly magic, and it, it, like obviously when you play it, like look, this is magic, but it has a feel to it. It's just like, oh, right, I wouldn't have put some ginger in that. Wow, like it really has that sense to it that's very unique. Innistrad did that. You know, the sets to me that are my pinnacle sets are like I did something we hadn't done before that as a cohesive whole is just like, wow, this is an amazing thing as a holistic thing. And part of it is not just even me. I mean, it's not just like my design, my team's design. It has to do with how it's developed, how the creative, like all all the pieces come together. Like my best stuff is not just my best stuff. It is, hey, everybody was on their A game. And mm -hmm. that, look, I think magic does amazing things. But every once in a while, like we just knock it out of the park. It's just like, you know, it's just amazing. To me, Kaladish is one of those sets. It's just on every vector. It's just like amazing. Oh, man. You should talk about magic more because I so want to play it so bad now. <laughs> um, That's part of my goal. Yeah, yeah magic. it's working. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about Chandra? Yeah. So we saw the premiere of another four ability planeswalker on Monday at the closing ceremonies, uh, and we is... saw Jimmy was like involved in the unveiling of it. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh yeah, we just saw it. Truly, the lighting crew was involved in the <laughs> big spectacle. Um, this Chandra, I think, is um, immediately my favorite Chandra of all time. And, and it's right up there with the Chandra that just got released in Oath of the Gatewatch, too, yeah. which is another amazing Chandra. But, uh, again, this is something we always talk about. Red has had this trouble. Uh, they don't really ramp. They right. don't really give you card advantage. And this Chandra has both right on there. 
So one of the things we've had is Chandra's always been a really popular character. Mm -hmm. People have really taken to Chandra. They love her. And holy moly, we had trouble making her a good card. Like, we kept trying to make her a good planeswalker. <laughs> like, okay, guys, no, this time, this one. Oh, no. Okay, this one. This one. You know, and we really had issues with it. And I feel like in just the last couple of iterations, we've, we've slowly kind of figured out how, how to do a good red planeswalker. Um, and look, we're in Kaladesh, Chandra's hometown. We're like... We got to do it right here. You can't do a bad Chandra like this is this is where right. she shines. And so we pulled all the stops. You know, we've only made two previous four. Mm -hmm. um, you know, four loyalty ability planeswalkers. So this time we're going to do it right. And I we made a fun fun card. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think Commander players are going to be very excited to play this in their deck, just for obvious reasons. Um, well, her first plus one says each opponent, so every time that happens, everyone does a low, woo, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and her second ability, just being able to ramp two red is, is fantastic. Yeah, it's just something that red doesn't really get and needs, especially if you're mono red. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, super excited. Can we talk a little bit about Kaladesh and Commander specifically? Okay. We, we had Gavin in here earlier, and mm -hmm. you know, one of the things we love hearing, and we've heard actually a lot more mm -hmm. sort of recently from the Wizards folks, is how com you guys consider Commander and think about it when designing the set. Can you talk... Uh, to that a little bit? Sure. So one of the tricks of designing Magic is it, it's not really one game. It's a lot of different games and that, you know, it's kind of a shared rule set, but, like, someone who's drafting, it's, it's a different animal than someone playing Commander versus right. Modern versus Standard versus Pauper versus Tiny Leader. It, like, it yeah. goes on and on and on. In fact, people write to me about formats I've never even heard of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, I play, you know... I heard Go that. Goat magic. You guys really haven't done much for goat magic lately. <laughs> and, uh, so, I mean, the, the thing is, one of the things we look at is just where, where there is a lot of people playing. And, and the more people playing something, the more attention we give to it. Right. I mean, we can't look at everything. Right. And so, um, obviously, the biggest of our attention goes to limited formats, the draft, and standard. Those, just because more people play that than anything else. But mm -hmm. Commander's getting up there. There's a lot of Commander players. Obviously, we've made an annual Commander product. And we now, when we make sets, we very much think about it. Um, one of the things I stress is not every legendary creature necessarily is made specifically for Commander. Because mm -hmm. there's other audiences that like legendary creatures. But we think about it. And we think about, right, when we talk about multiplayer play, when how we template things, we very much are much more conscious than we used to be. And R&D has a lot of fans of Commander that themselves play a lot of Commander. I, I'm not one of those people, but I, I love the format. I love that it exists, and I love that people like it. And my job is to make sure that we make cards for those players. Like, part of being a good designer is not making cards for what you like about the game, but making cards what everybody likes about the game. Right. And that we spend a lot of time and energy uh, figuring out, okay, what do Commander players want? What can we make? Is there a way to take a card and tweak it a little bit so it makes more sense in Commander? We spent a lot of time in the last year or two thinking about red. You know, we've spent a lot of time in the last year or two thinking about red because red is not naturally really at home in Commander. That, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a format that has some constraints that kind of play against some of red's inherent strengths. And so we've spent some time going, okay, because my big thing is the color pie is important to me. I don't want to just say, well, it's not supposed to be red, but let's give it a red. I don't want to do that. Right. But like Chandra's first ability, what I, I call impulsive drawing, came about because I had a lot of discussions on my blog about what could red do that felt red. And an idea that I really, I've latched onto is I like the idea that red does things you see other places, but it has immediacy to it. Yeah. That red, there's no long game to it, you know. And I like the idea of, okay, you can draw a card if you use it now. 
Right. Like, you right. can't... It's not... That like, feels very red. Right. It feels really red, and it's a way to give red a little bit of that card advantage in a way that... Like, that's my big thing. I don't want to undercut weaknesses or colors. I want to find a way to give them strengths that play into what they do. Mm-hmm. So, hey, red needs a little bit of card advantage, but we don't want to sort of contradict what red is. You know, an impulsive draw was exactly that. I like that um, name, impulsive draw. And we have yeah. noticed that a lot. There's the outpost siege, and yeah. Toronto Fire Monster had it, and the, there's like the abbot. Uh, abbot of Carol. I mean, Eve, essentially, but, it's become yeah. a red. I mean, it, it, yeah, and, and it's great. I first did it. What's the first genre that did it? Fire um, Master. Fire Master. Yeah. I convinced them. To, I made the suggestion. And they're like, well, okay, let's try it. And then it just went over really well. And it, it's just, I mean, we now it's an ability red has that we will use. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. As a mono red player myself. I actually played two mono red decks last night, uh, and someone else busted that mono red deck. And everyone at the table remarked specifically, I think you'll like this, mm-hmm. that mono red decks used to be sort of a laughing stock of Commander mm-hmm. until the last couple of years. Yeah. Where they said that now we have all these new tools to play with that really help us close the gap between our decks and other right. decks that just sort of have natural advantages. And that's not, I mean, that exists because we've been aware of the format and we are working to try to find those kind of answers. Red's role in the command is a perfect example of we recognize it. We're you know we're trying to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I'm, I, I'm ha- whenever we do something and I hear feedback of oh this has made this format better, I, I'm ecstatic because that that is our goal. Uh, the hard part is you know we've a lot of plate spinning and so you know that that's the tricky part is right. You know that balancing I, act. Is I want commander. Hard. I care about commander. I want people to you know. And, but there's other things you right. know. I believe you had did one of your famous polls on uh, or tournaments oh, that you do yeah. on Twitter, yeah. and uh, I, I do believe Commander was second overall format popularity on that. On that, you know, yes, admittedly, yes. it was the closest yeah. ever, though, right? It, the, it lost by like six votes or something. Yeah, it's yeah. A limited. Yeah. yeah, I mean, out of Which thousands of the, votes, it yeah. lost by six votes. By so. the way, I was very torn, but we I went with Commander, but man, I love yeah. Limited too. So you know, if we had, if we had told everyone on the podcast to make sure to follow Mark, yeah, yeah. we would have cheated. You mean? And <laughs> <laughs> cheated? No, come on. By the way, it's not cheating if you would like to follow me on twitter <laughs> participate in my head-to-head votes please what's your please. what's your twitter mark that's at morrow 254 i can't imagine anybody listening is not following you already um i i, I love your twitter there's all there's there's comics yes. every day. there's polls yeah it's, it's like your own news feed of just like oh. yeah i put my articles okay. up i listen yeah. to my podcast yeah do you yeah. have like a, a person that handles or do you do all that yourself oh, a person i have no person i'm the person that's kind of it's kind of <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah, yeah it's really impressive yeah. i mean here's the thing that people don't realize like literally i get up in the morning and like while I'm showering, I'm like, what's my comic today? I gotta make a comic. Like, yeah, you gotta comic. put a lot of And then while I'm like, getting the kids food ready, I'm like, what's my podcast today? Gotta put the podcast. <laughs> so like most of my getting ready in the morning is getting my kids ready for school and figuring out what I'm doing that day. Right. Right. After my poll, okay, I'm like I put the poll up. So your kids are like, Dad, you just gave me an egg for breakfast. You need to cook it. You're like, oh yeah, sorry, I'll see about my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do feed my kids, so don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we gotta wrap up, but there's one final thing that we have to ask you about. I'm okay. sure all of our listeners. Uh, are, are wondering in their head what are you going to ask about this so four color commanders we know are coming later this year okay, Is- there's what I, I can't say a lot here's what I can say um, we know players want four color commanders they've been saying it for a long long time it's something that keeps it keeps coming up like I I said really if, that if I could go back to original Ravnica and just you know make them all legendary I would have but the Nephilims um, the Nephilims yeah. uh, right, right. but we knew it's something we needed to do. The reason it got pushed off, the reason it hasn't been done till now is it's a tough nut to crack. Yeah. It's not like, it's the kind of thing when you sit down and go, oh, can, can we do four color? You know, and then you look at the problem and you're like, oh, wow, this is really hard. Here's what I can say about it. So Ethan Fleischer came up with, a, he sol- solved it. 
We found a way to do it. He found the magic bullet. He, like, he found the magic bullet, Ooh. which is such an awesome idea. Like, it is so cool that uh, it's what I call a paperclip moment, where, like, the first time you ever see a paperclip, you're like, well, how else could you attack papers together? <laughs> you know, that is such a beautiful thing that you're like, like there, there's no other way to do it than this, but people miss, someone had to make the paperclip, you know, and Ethan had a paperclip moment. Ethan cracked this problem. It is, from a design standpoint, it is such a beautiful solution that I, I'm excited for people to see it because it is, it is so elegant and it's like, people will see it and go, how did no one come up with this before? Um, and so it is really cool. Like we, we, it's a tough nut to crack for years and years. Like how are we going to do it? We knew one day we had to do it. We finally cracked the nut. We All came right. up with a All really right. cool, elegant solution that you guys, if you do not, if you commander players do not love this, I will be shocked. It is a thing of beauty. Well, I mean, there's a reason. So Ethan was the lead designer, and he was also the winner of the Great Designer Search in 2010. Yeah, the second so, Great Designer Search. So, so. so for good reason. Yes, Ethan, Ethan is a great designer, truly. And <laughs> um, he did a wonderful job with this with, with Commander. And I can't tell you specifics, but I can say that it is, it is something like, just as a designer, like, wow. Like, like I remember when I saw it, I literally like, wow. I was like, Ethan, that is amazing. That's awesome. Well, I feel like we're wrapping up one of the best <laughs> years in Magic's history for me. Like, I mean, been... by the end of this year, I don't know how it can't be. It's been crazy. Yeah. The... Well, I will say this: as someone who's working in 2018 right now, uh... <laughs> <laughs> maybe the future is yeah, bright. Yeah. Two, yeah. 2017. I'm, I'm quite excited for 2017, and 2018 has something that, like, if I can't make you crack a smile. Uh, there's good stuff coming. There's Mark, you'll always make us crack a smile. So. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Uh, again, you can find him on Twitter at... At Morrow254. Or on Tumblr. You can see me at Blogatog is my blog when you come on. Um, but anyway, join me on social media. You can vote on if you do talk to Twitter. We should yeah. also say, since clearly you listen to podcasts, you should check out Mark's podcast if you don't already. It's called The Drive to Work. Drive to Work. It's on iTunes, and I post it... I post it through any of my social media on Fridays, and then on the following Monday, it's always in my column on online, and it's a half-hour podcast. I literally am driving to work as I record it. People think, like, it's a gimmick. Like, no, no, no. I'm actually driving. How do you make that uh, traffic noise? Traffic. Um, he has a whole sound design team. Don't listen to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, we reference your articles all the time when we talk about the color pie and on all that. So if you guys really want a great, deeper look into... Magic and, and the history of magic drives works in an, an awesome way. To and my column, Remaking Magic. Yeah, there you go. I do not know how you have time to do all this stuff, <laughs> honestly. All right, thanks again, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. And we should say that uh, Commander 2016, with the four-color commanders that Mark was just talking about, releases on November 11th, so not too far off after Call of Dash comes out. This year has been pretty insane for sets. I... It's been nuts. <laughs> I mean, I'm speechless too. I came back and journey into Nyx, and since then, it's been a nonstop roller coaster of sets. Modern Masters 2 was the first big sort of exclusive set that came out after that, and then this year has just been EMA, Conspiracy 2. Oh my gosh. Soon, all the regular sets. All the regular sets on yeah. top of that. Yeah, there's been so much stuff that's happening. My brain is hurting from it's almost to too all much. It's almost too much. And I like that Wizards is pushing the boundary and just trying to see where the sweet spot is. I think the sweet spot right. is probably one less set at least than it was or, yeah. or maybe not all in the summer like that but you know I know some people have been critical of them but how do they know if they don't try it right so 
Yeah, if they see that sales go down slightly because of too many sets, they'll be like, sweet, now we know that we need to do X number of sets. And that Conspiracy 2 did so well that we have to print more and more and more. That's one of my worries is that there was there's not a good spot for Conspiracy, so I, I don't want it to look like it didn't do well, even yeah. though it's just so sandwiched in between so many other things that there might not be... Like, here we are. I've only drafted Conspiracy a couple of times. We're already talking about Kaladesh. We're going to be doing a Kaladesh set redo, review in the next couple of weeks. We didn't even have time to do a Conspiracy set review. I know. It's just coming up. on top of each other. So, yeah, I do think ton of sets. It's it's good and it's bad. Um, but Commander 2016 is one we're going to make a lot of time for because four-color Commanders is going to be sweet. So, again, November 11th. Yeah, and um, it's gotten the same kind of energy and excitement from Glenn that Kaladesh has had for a lot of Wizards employees, which is like, there's something cool and special going on here, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we get a spoiler for one of the actual commanders. I hope so, Ooh, for something boy. cool. Um, we're always happy to get any any preview cards. So. Absolutely. And now we're going to talk with our good buddy, Gavin Verhey, and he is, was on the development team for Kaladesh, and was the lead designer for Arch Enemy Nicol Bolas. Now, that's coming out on June 16th of next year, so we're way Oof. out ahead of it. But it's fun to hear Gavin tell us what he can uh, mm-hmm. ab- about it now. And it's a multiplayer format, so... It's, it's, it's totally playable in Commander, so... Yeah, let's go. I believe you were actually the first Wizards of the Coast employee that we ever had on our show. Do you remember that? Yeah, absolutely. I remember it because I had met you guys not that much earlier. I met Jimmy mm-hmm. at VidCon, and we started talking and hanging out. And now look at the grandiose adventures you guys <laughs> get to go on coming to PAX. And uh, yeah, I, I'm glad I'm, I'm your first. It just took two short years, and now Josh and I are both at PAX. Backstage. At WOTC the... representatives. Yeah, we're in the green room. Well, Jimmy, you're like the face of uh, the Kaladesh reveal actually you were the face of eldritch moon too you're the face of everything as my friend appropriately called me he's like jimmy in the two years you started playing magic you became mr magic i was like no i don't want that name mr magic jimmy wong you're mr magic in my heart man oh sweet that's excellent well i mean everyone i meet at wizards is mr and mrs magic to me um so it's been a great weekend so far we've talked a lot about uh kaladesh with everyone i've seen all these cards are being previewed left and right um and a lot of our listeners have already sent us individual emails for one so wow. someone just said rashmi are you guys excited and that was like it <laughs> um just because there's so many sweet new legendary creatures in the set the flavor is out of this world i think the mechanics vehicles vehicles so stoked Gavin, do you want to talk really quick about what you what your role was on Kaladesh? Absolutely. So I was on the development team for Kaladesh. So inside R&D, we kind of have more or less two phases. There's actually more than this, but basically a design phase and a development phase. The design phase comes up with the initial ideas, a lot of the initial concepts, initial mechanics, and then the development uh, team tweaks them, refines them, and makes sure that the set is balanced and fun to play and draft constructed and so on. And so I was on the development team for Kaladesh and also on the design team for Aether Revolt. So there was a good nine month to a year period where I was just submerged completely in Kaladesh. That's awesome. And this is um, like, I believe this is the first time that we're fully in the two block uh, structure for standard as well. Yeah, because Magic Origins and Dragons of Tarkir will rotate out, and then the format will be Battle for Zendikar block, Shouts over Innistrad block, and Kaladesh block, and we're in this whole new world. Has that, did that a change? Whole new world. <laughs> Sorry, we don't sing on this one. Yeah, no, no, my bad. Did that change any of how you guys approached it design wise? Did you guys have to have, like, considered different things into the design process? Uh, the two block model, while the Kaladesh specifically didn't change anything, our philosophy had to kind of switch gears because now standards are going to be a little bit smaller than before because mm-hmm. we're going to rotate out quicker. And making sure that we could 
balance appropriately to make sure that, okay, we're throwing back to the right mechanics. We want to make sure that stuff in Kaladesh throws back to Battle for Zendikar. And we actually seeded that really early because artifacts and colorless matters work together, right? Right. Um, we want to make sure that we're doing the right throw forwards even. Uh, we want to make sure that the standard environment has the right number of strong cards to play with, right? Because if you have a smaller standard environment, you're going to want to make sure there's maybe even some more uh, slightly higher number of powerful cards to play mm -hmm. with because you need more stuff to hit. So that was kind of a general philosophy shift. It wasn't just Kaladesh we were looking at for, but definitely being in this, the three block a year standard meant that this was, okay, the first time it was going to be tried and true, and we had to make sure that it worked. Cool. Let's talk about Commander here, and you mentioned Rashmi yes. earlier, so I'm going to read Rashmi really quick. There's a new legendary creature, Elf Druid. Costs two and Simic, two a green and a blue. Four mana total for a two-three. Whenever you cast your first spell each turn, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card with converted mana costs less than that spells, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you don't cast the revealed card, put it into your hand. That sounds a little complicated. You cast a spell, you flip over the top card of your library. If it costs less than the spell you cast, you cast it. And if you don't, you draw it. Yeah, you may cast it. So you can even choose to flip a card and it has a lower CMC and be like, well, it's not appropriate. It's a board wipe. I don't want to do that. Or a counter spell or something. Yeah, right? yeah. And you can still and draw you it draw into it. your hand. So can, do you remember anything specifically about this card? Because people are going crazy because this card seems insane. Yeah, I actually have a really good story to tell about Rosh. <laughs> okay. Ooh. So it's just some insider stuff right here. Pay so, attention. Yeah, I mean, you're going to let it all go. No. Exclusive. Also, Gavin won't be working at Wizards after this next week. <laughs> and go. So internally, inside of Wizards of the Coast, we run a rare pool. So with every set, we run one, sometimes even two rare pools, where we send all the rares and mythics out to everyone in the company who wants them, mm -hmm. and they rate all the ones we love 1 to 10 and leave comments on them. This is really important to us because the ones that do really, really well, we want to keep around and not change much because people obviously like them, and the ones that do really poorly just get kicked out of the set. We have to find new, new designs for them. The rare pool usually comes before we do whole filling and try and come up with new rares for the set. So we sent out the Kaladesh rare pool, and we all were talking about what we thought was going to win. Was it a vehicle or an energy card or something? Mm -hmm. And it came back, and Roshmi just crushed it. That's everyone's <laughs> favorite card in the rare pool. wasn't even close. And... Um, so that came back, and we're like, wow, people really, really like this card. Yeah. And we actually made it better. It was a, uh, a five-mana card, and we made it cost four, so it could come down a little bit earlier and be a little bit stronger. It, it yeah, you pushed it a little earlier. We, we pushed it, because it'd be really fun if this thing could show up and constructed. We wanted it to be a commander card you could play with, mm -hmm. and it's really saucy. Also note that it's each turn, not just on your turn. So if you cast a spell on your turn, right. and you cast a spell on their turn, you can double-trigger it. In commander, there's five turns maybe going yeah. around. You've got to have enough spells to chain them. Even, and even one-mana spells will let you draw a card, right? Because yeah, mm -hmm. you always draw at the very least, yeah. So there's some yeah. fun stuff to do with this card. I think uh, Prophet of Crufix has gone just in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Prophet rotates out. Rashmi is right behind me on seals. Not to mention, Green Blue is great at flashing stuff in Alchemist Refuge. I think is one of the uh, you can still best. Boards, play Seedborn Muse. Yeah, that's true. So uh, yeah, so Rashmi, I'm really excited about it. So I'm I'm actually really interested because a card like this, right? You could take away the name of the card, you could take away the art, and just have the colors and have it do a similar thing because it's you know it's based around the color more than maybe even more than the the the, the flavor of the world. Is there any time when you, you, you take one of those cards that gets voted out by the, the company and say, like, you know what, we really like this, we really like what we're doing, but we're going to find a place for it in a, a future set? Or do you, do you potentially tailor it, be like, oh, because now we're on you know, this plane, we can make it do this, which may be slightly more interesting? So the rare pool is really interesting because it gives us data from the whole company about what people think about certain cards. Now, of course, sometimes what 
everybody thinks with, uh, without the context of the rest of the set isn't necessarily inclusive of knowing how the set's working, how it's mechanically shaping. Mm -hmm. So because a card is voted low or high, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get kicked out or go into the set. A common thing Rosewater talks about is really Johnny cards, cards that are like super combo heavy or, or really weird, will often get voted really, really low because players don't understand how they work or it's like, why would I ever want to play with this card? Mm -hmm. But we try and preserve some of those in the set so that when they do come out, the player who's a big Johnny loves that kind of inventingness. Um, we'll find them and play with them. And especially in Kaladesh, there were a number of cards that weren't voted incredibly high. Not the ones that did horrible, but ones that were kind of middle of the pack mm -hmm. that we kept around because they, they would be fun build-arounds. Um, with Sometimes we do take cards and put them in future sets, but if a card that gets voted something low and we don't have a strong reason for putting it somewhere, it kind of means that, hey, people didn't really like this card in the first place, right? Where if a card gets voted high and has to get kicked out of a set, well, then we definitely want to find a home for it somewhere because players are probably still going to love it in the new environment. Right. Um, now, let's talk about vehicles really quickly because uh, outside of, obviously, I think being an awesome limited, just, I don't know how it's going to work in limited, but I feel like it's going to be really fun and possibly standard. I'm really interested to see um, what you guys wanted to, like, accomplish with vehicles in the way that, I mean, like, what, what, what's sort of, like, the big picture goals of making vehicles for you guys? So whenever we introduce a new card type, there's a challenge mm -hmm. because we want it to both be fun to play with and actually show up in people's decks without it being broken and really too powerful. Right. And when we introduced equipment or planeswalkers, for example, you can see some of the big stretches we had there. Like equipment in Mirrodin, locks on a Warhammer wasn't uncommon. Like the equipment was super, super strong because R&D at the time didn't appreciate how strong it could be. Right. Planeswalkers came out in Lorwyn and there's this huge power gap. Like Jace Balaren and Garrick Wildspeaker are both really, really strong. And Liliana Vest and Chandra Nalar only saw a handful of play. So with vehicles, we wanted to try and hit that sweet spot as best as we can. And I think we got there. It took a lot of iterations. As you guys have heard people talk about this weekend, there were a ton of iterations of vehicles over and over and over. And, and how are they activated? Do they attach to creatures? Do creatures go on them? Mm -hmm. do, do the creatures die if the vehicle dies? Can they block? Are they always creatures? All these tiny little knobs to play around with. And we ended up in a space where they're all... Like, I think in Limited, they're all basically playable at some stage. And then some of them, I think, will hit in Constructed, maybe even older formats, too. Commander is definitely a great place for them. Other challenges to overcome with them included things like, for example, we didn't want them to be always be super good at blocking. Because one thing that's really easy to do that we found is you can just hold all your creatures up, have a vehicle, and it becomes really hard to attack into because you have to do the math of, okay, they could put these creatures in the vehicle or these creatures in the vehicle, and right. how's the blocking going to happen? So a lot of them... You'll find not all of them, but a lot of them are aggressively statted, like the the um, I want to call it the blisteringly fast fire car, but the <laughs> oval chase, chase drag, dragster, the yeah. oval chase dragster that we came out with yesterday, the six one trample haste, right? That's a great example. Yeah. Another thing about vehicles that, we, that I really like about how they turned out is there's some mechanics in Magic that are really kinetic. They create a lot of motion and stuff happening, and that's kind of just a fun thing to do. Like with Seaborn Muse, I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, it's awesome just to be like every turn, bam, untap everything. Right. I feel powerful. And with vehicles, there's this great moment of, okay, tap these guys, they get in this, move this out of like the, the not a creature zone into the in the creature zone, attack with it, you do this great little little movement. I love mm -hmm. the six one for that reason, because it's like, bam, put it out of my hand, tap a creature, put it in, attack you, right? In fact, yeah. when I play the six one trample haze, I just put it into play tap and attacking, and then tap my creature. <laughs> so That's what it's going to do anyway. It's already like running as you're like putting on it, it's like, <laughs> and just already goes. Right, so, yeah. exactly. So vehicles had a lot of challenges, but I'm really happy with where we ended up. And I think they're just super fun to play with. Like, you guys will really, really, really enjoy playing with them. Yeah, and for commander players, I'm really interested because crewing, the what you guys ended up settling up on was uh, you can tap any number of creatures with a total power x whatever the number is to make it into a, a turn the artifact vehicle into a creature but for me i'm thinking 
oh, this is a great way to tap creatures without having to attack with them. Yep. So cards like Gilder Baron, mm-hmm. um, and people have been talking about energy counters as well. So like that's a perfect synergy right there where you can find a way to tap this creature without having to send it into battle so that you can use the untap ability. So. And actually in the set, we built in a few cards that do things when they tap instead of when they attack. Mm-hmm. So you can... So there's synergy for that stuff. Right, exactly. Smart. You can tap them into your vehicles and then you know their effect still goes off. There's also like the inspired mechanic from what... Theros, Theros Blanc, right? Yeah, yeah, that you want to tap things, but a lot of those creatures, it's set up in such a way, so it's hard to tap them. Yeah, uh, yeah great. I wanted to talk about Depala, the pilot exemplar. Which we got is, there, Josh. I think we kind of did. You know, this is, you know, Jimmy and I have been talking for a long time that Boros, uh, and I don't know if this solves this problem, but it's a good step in that direction, that Boros is really tough in Commander because they don't, those two colors don't do either of the things that all decks need, which are card draw and mana ramp. And Depala, I'm going to read, is uh, one a red and a white for a 3-3 legendary creature, dwarf pilot, so dwarf. a Boros commander. It says, other dwarves, dwarves you control get plus one, plus one. So it's dwarf chart. Yep. Each vehicle you control gets plus, plus, plus one, plus one, as long as it's a creature. And then whenever you, whenever, sorry, Depala becomes tapped, so again, that same synergy, right. you may pay X. If you do, reveal the top X cards of your library. Put all dwarf and vehicle cards from among them into your hand, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So Depala is random card draw. Order. Oh, sorry, in a random order, yeah. So Depala is card draw because mm-hmm. you can tap crew a vehicle or attack or whatever gets gets uh, her tapped, and then you pay some mana and draw some cards, presumably, which I think is really a step in a great direction for Boros. It's always a hard thing. Is I don't know if you can answer this, Gavin. Is that something that you guys are aware of as an issue that commander players have, or is that just something that happened? I mean, we're super happy about it because this is the first Boros commander maybe ever that I personally am like, oh, I could build that deck. Like, yeah. I, that that might be exciting. Well, first of all, I guess you guys should all pick up your dwarven recruiters while you still can. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin Matron's like, my friends are here. <laughs> but... Yes. Um, so a few things about Depala. First of all, we d- did design it specifically for Commander. We knew oh. that there's a bunch of red dwarves in Magic's history, obviously. Dwarves tend to be a little more white on Kaladesh, but we wanted to make a Commander that would be your dwarf lord in uh, in a dwarf Commander deck. Mm-hmm. And so we built Depala just for that red-white Commander top-down. And as a result, we wanted to do something that red-white doesn't always get, get to do, and do something that would encourage you to actually play a bunch, put a bunch of dwarves in your deck, because, historically, a lot of the older dwarves aren't always the most powerful cards in the game, right? right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted you to both play dwarves, and we, and we knew on this plane that dwarves liked artifacts and vehicles specifically, so we wanted to encourage you to play the vehicles in your deck, so now you actually have the shell of a commander deck you can start building, right? Some of the right. old dwarves, some of the newer dwarves, some vehicles, and they're all kind of working together. And even though some of the older dwarves might be slightly on the weaker end, they're still good enough because Depala helps them out. Right. And... When we were looking at making it, we were looking at cool effects that hit all of these. And yeah, th- this was something that Red White doesn't get to do a lot. And we thought, well, for Commander, it makes sense. It's a good reason to try something different and get you to do a dwarf-related thing at the same time. With Commander, we're constantly looking for, okay, what is missing, right? You guys, as I'm sure, are very excited about the four-color Commander decks coming out oh, later yeah. this year. Yeah. And Don't open was, that door, my friend. <laughs> and that was the discussion of, hey, these are missing. I've known for a long time they're missing. I was like, when is the right time to do it? Is this the year? Is this the year? And finally we hit the year, right? And so as we release more and more legendary creatures, some things will obviously overlap. Green's always going to have big legendary creatures, for right. example, right? But it's also about finding the holes. And what is a new kind of commander deck you could build? What is something that you see and, and don't just think, oh, I could replace this commander with this commander, but what can I build a whole new deck around? Mm-hmm. And DePaul is a, gr- a great example of that. 
someone mentioned to me yesterday after they saw vehicles, and uh, Gavin, I think you're going to like this particularly. They said, I'm going to finally make a Mad Max deck. <laughs> it was Rev, the Rev and Fuego. Yeah, Rev and yeah Fuego he's so excited. That. And I was like, that is a brilliant idea. Yeah, Gavin actually cosplayed from Mad Max, and I was like, this is perfect. This is perfect. <laughs> DePaul is going to be the Mad Max. As, as a noted fan. So another really exciting announcement, Gavin, that came out uh, just a couple days ago, I think, is the new Arch Enemy product that's coming out early next year and you are actually the lead designer on that is that correct correct arch enemy nicol bolas so sweet People and we love all nicol bolas by well the way. we also There's... know nicol bolas is coming back also yeah, and, and, and i um which i assume you cannot talk about yet so we'll just concentrate on arch enemy can you tell us a little bit well first of all do you want to explain what arch enemy is to our viewers that don't know absolutely so arch enemy originally came out i think it was eight years ago or mm -hmm. so and it's a really unique play format in that you played three players against one player. How do you even that out? Well, the one player has this deck of 20 schemes that are really, really powerful. They'll do things like destroy the board or gain control of other people's cards or destroy their lands, any number of, of horrible effects that could befall mm -hmm. the other team. And so there's this pretty fun little mini game of, okay, can the three players overcome this one massively powerful player? Plus the schemes all have totally sweet name, like dance my puppets and things like <laughs> that. So you get to have some fun with that. Yeah, you kind of play the the villain in like a Marvel movie or something right, right. where it's like you against all the Avengers. Um, so then what was the reasoning behind revisiting Arch Enemy and what were the challenges that you like walked into that project with? So the first Arch Enemy product was actually pretty popular among people who played it, but the problem was it was a little difficult to get into because it was released as a bunch of different separate decks you had to buy instead of one box you could play with. Mm -hmm. So you had to go out, buy all the decks, to get all the schemes you wanted to play with, and then it was a hassle. It was... You had to assemble it, right? You had to kind of yeah. assemble it, right? And it's a lot easier to do what we are doing this time around, which is you buy one box, it has everything you need to play, a deck for everybody, it has all the schemes you need to play, and you can kind of just put it on your shelf too and be like, oh, I have a bunch of friends over, let's play this, right? I don't have to construct any decks, you don't have to bring anything of your own. Mm -hmm. This is all here and self-contained, ready to play. Now, we did, of course, factor in people will play their own decks. We could play Commander or whatever you guys want to do. It could be really, really fun. But all the decks are balanced against each other and there's a deck actually for each kind of player type. So there's one deck, uh, for example, that is geared more toward a newer player. So if I want to sit down with a friend who doesn't play as much Magic, it's not like it's not fun to play if, if you're experienced, but there's one deck that's like, okay, I get it. This is a very straightforward deck, mm -hmm. and I can help you through this. I can teach you how to play or bring you into this if you know less. Mm -hmm. One of the decks tends to be on a little more complicated end, so if you're really experienced and want to do some, some crazy stuff, you can sit down and do this. So no matter whether, whether you're a bunch of newer players or a bunch of more experienced players, there's something there for you. And the, and the uh, Arch Enemy deck, of course, is just crazy, right? There's some pretty, pretty nutty stuff in there. Right. Can't talk about what quite yet, but there's some really, really fun stuff. And we got to the point where people were wanting to get into playtests because they wanted to try this thing out. Right? It's just so much fun to play and be the Arch Enemy and announce those card crazy uh, scheme names. It's got 20 all new schemes, so Arch Enemy lovers can come in and get some new stuff to add into your Arch Enemy deck. And of course, they're fully compatible with all the old schemes. If you want to build it out and do something crazy with all the old ones, go nuts. Well, that's really exciting because this is now, uh, uh, I, I feel like it's an, another great multiplayer format that, yep. that Wizards is, is being like, hey guys, get friends together and play this together. Um, and I felt that way about sort of the dual deck anthologies, but it wasn't multiplayer, but it's like, hey, cool, we could just randomly pair these up against each other, bring them on the trip. They're pre-built, they're ready to go. And there is something really, really awesome and convenient about that. Um, and like, it just reminds me of Conspiracy 2, which I've been drafting a bunch of recently. <laughs> and I also have you to thank for a lot of that as well. So, And of course, oh. Plane Chase Anthology is coming out this year too, which oh, you can yes. do multiplayer and is very, very fun. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the anthologies, uh, especially as a player that came in 
came back to the game around Journey into Nyx. I missed a lot of those sets, so it's nice to be able to, you know, with the Commander anthologies coming out as well, so... Yeah, the Arch Enemy with Commander decks is actually really fun. I've done it a few times. And as we've talked about secret partners and a few other different ways to sort of spice up your commander. Mm-hmm. Play, you know, your playgroup, if you just play, like, the same four people just playing free-for-all every night, you know, it can get stale. So it's nice to plane chase. It's nice to have Arch Enemy. It's nice to spice it up in that way. And, and I will say also that when you hang around Wizards people enough, you kind of, you can get this feel for, like, what they're buzzing about. And this mm-hmm. is one of those products that the internally, and they should know, they're buzzing out about a little bit, which, I mean, that bodes well. Yeah, this is also a thing where we haven't really done this in a long time, right? This yeah, is the first right. Arch Enemy release in eight years or whatever. So if it's really successful, we could definitely do more in the future. And we're kind of putting it out there as a fun experience. And if it does really well, then uh, this could mean big things for Arch Enemy in the future. Also, it's really cool to have a box on your shelf that you can just bring out and play with anybody, right? Like, Magic is a great game. We all love Magic. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if you have a friend who hasn't played in a while or something, they just don't have an up-to-date date deck, they don't know the set for drafting, it's really cool to just pull this out and be like, hey, you need to bring nothing? Let's just sit down on Saturday night and play some Arch Enemy against each other right. and have a blast. Do you think it's a good way to teach someone with a straightforward deck that is very, sort of not just fairly new but really new to the game? I think, I think you could, right? Because you're playing as a team, three mm-hmm. players on a team, and so you can help guide them through it. You'd probably want to just teach them some of the basics ahead of time, right? So you're not necessarily slowing everything down. But, you know, once they know the basics of maybe attacking, how right. mana works, casting spells, then you can be like, oh, see, you should do this here and kind of explain the, re- the rationale behind it and learn as you go, which is a really great experience. Yeah, that's actually a great way to play because it's tough. Uh, well, I was just teaching a friend the other day, and we were using the dual decks, and I was like, all right, just creatures and lands. But it's really hard to coach someone through when, when the other person's sitting across the table because then it, it just becomes a very much like, all right, you're just dashing around, sort of telling each person what to do. So mm-hmm. I, I love the teamwork aspect of it. And, and at pre-releases, I see Two-Headed Giant often used that way, right? And that's another great tool of, oh, I can play this with my friend mm-hmm. and, and help them out. And in Arch Enemy, it's great, just casually, you know, you can play it at the kitchen table with your friends and really guide them through what's happening. And also argue a lot, which is fun. <laughs> uh, I guess one other thing I'll say on that is we definitely built the decks to work together. So it's really, really fun as the three players playing against the arch enemy to do things to, to help each other out. They learn that like, oh, my card will synergize with your card, not just my own deck. That's right, so there, cool. there's nice. some learning there that happens yeah. as you play more times. Oh, it's like be your own gatewatch, kind of. Be your own gatewatch. <laughs> he just wrote your uh, copy line for the marketing <laughs> for it. Yeah, it's, good, it's okay. I'll send it to Story team's like, but they're not the gatewatch. We it should reference no, them. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's like, let's not. <laughs> All right, Gavin, really appreciate you coming on and taking some time with us really excited for the new products and uh, everything wizards got in store thanks for coming on thank you and well before we leave where can we find you online you can find me online at gavin verhey first name last name on twitter as well as on tumblr gavinverhey.tumblr.com my, my name is pretty unique so there's <laughs> uh, i got all those domains ingenious awesome all right thanks so much gavin all right always good talking with gavin yeah i love that guy good guy great uh, guy yeah. one of my favorites and he comes down to la constantly too he really to does he did let me know on the side that because after we played so much of Conspiracy, he was like picking our brains as to what we liked and what we didn't like. And he said, it's like, we may have used some of your uh, ideas, in quotes, heavy quotations, to help influence the set design. Wow. So, wow. Josh, you were a playtester on R&D, I Basically. I basically was in <laughs> R&D. I like it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> all right. Time for two of the listeners. We want to know what you think of Padim. Are yes. there any cool combos that you see or usages you know, it seems like a pretty straightforward card, um, but, you know, there's always stuff I'm always surprised. People will tweet about some card I've never heard of, or mm-hmm. they'll come up with a, two, you know, two cards that come together. So is there anything with Padim that you see that I'm not seeing right now? Because right now it just looks kind of like, yeah, it looks good, but it doesn't look very breakable. 
I want to see a deck that's just called the Impress Me deck, and it has to do with every card that wants you to have the highest CMC of stuff. It's just five-color Impress Me. Yeah, five-color Impress Me. I like that. Yeah. And you, and you can't play it unless Padim's on the battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck to the flavor. <laughs> just to guy, let you guys know, we are, again, sponsored by the wonderful Card Kingdom. Make sure you guys go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you want to support the show. Using that link basically just shows them, hey, this person came here using this link. They bought these cards. This is what they liked. And cool, like we know that X number of people this month came from the command zone, and uh, this number came on Tuesday because that's when their episode releases. So we got to see that, wow, Wow, this is a great, you know, working partnership we have with them and it helps us out, helps them out. Altogether, it's a nice synergistic relationship. And you still get all the Kaladesh cards that you want. Works yeah. for everybody. Yep. And if you guys don't know, it's Card Kingdom. They'll get you your order incredibly quickly. Customer service through the roof. One of our listeners tweeted us a picture. Uh, they asked for a black lotus to be included with their order, and they sent them a token, and someone drew all over the token to make it look like a black lotus. Yeah, that was Jake Travers. Yeah, that was awesome. Waffle cone, power nine. So we'll show that in the video, uh, so make sure you guys check that out if you're watching the video version of this. All right, time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I've got something cool. Yeah? It's Iceland. Ooh. So we went on that long trip, uh, three different countries, London, Copenhagen, sorry, London and Copenhagen are not countries. The UK, Denmark, Denmark. and Iceland. Iceland, far and away my favorite. Wow. I did, I, I very much enjoyed London and Copenhagen, but Iceland is otherworldly in its beauty. Um, I think I might have to go back there at least three more times in my lifetime. That's how much I Whoa. liked it. Oh, <clears throat> well, it, we it did was this, your girlfriend's second time there, right? Yeah, and but we did the southern part of the island. There's also a northern part. And then we did it in the summer, so I'm also going to need to do it in the early winter to see when it's all frosted over with snow. You can't go. Oh, cool. You don't really want to go in the middle of winter because they do that thing where they have 24 hours of darkness or whatever. Ooh, yeah. That so, sounds... but you do get to see a lot of northern lights during that time. Anyway, that's how beautiful it is. Also, um, my drone video. I lugged my drone around through London, where I wasn't allowed to fly it, through Copenhagen and Denmark, where I'm not allowed to fly it, all the way just to get it to Iceland, where I was allowed to fly it. And the drone footage is unbelievable. It's the best thing I've ever shot. Um, you have to watch it. Like, it'll blow your mind. It's crazy. Like, Where can we find it? It'll, the link will be in the show notes, or possibly Sick. it'll be annotated in the video, maybe. I don't know how to do that stuff. Jimmy will have to do that if that happens. But I the, can do that. the drone video, we'll have Terry put up a little clip right here. And you just, there's beauty in the world. There's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I'm watching the stuff I shot. And I'm just like still like gaga over it. Like, yeah, well, you get to see it from a completely different angle because you just standing there is one thing, but seeing the drone far and away and above the land where you, a you human can get can't like stands. right over the waterfalls, you can get like onto the glaciers, you can get behind, yeah, over the mountains. Like, That's it's sick. pretty insane. It's a place where we had a five hour drive from the airport to we we're, like I said, doing the southern part of the island and we were driving from the the far west side to the far east side to the biggest city on the east side, which Whoa. is like 3,000 people. It's teeny, but Iceland's not very populated. And it's a five-hour drive. It took us 11 hours because I was just stopping the car constantly because I was like, hold on, I got to pull over and take a picture of that. Yeah. I got I to gotta fly my drone right there. Like, we just, we couldn't make it more than 10 minutes without stopping, so it just took forever. That's uh, That's the kind of place that it is. So put Iceland on your bucket list if it's not there already. It's on there now. Can't wait. Someday I'll go. Who knows when? 
So. Segway man is failing me here. I was like, uh, my brain's like, how does that lead to Masters of Modern Podcast? It doesn't. It just did. Our sister podcast <laughs> at the MM Cast on Twitter. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman talk about modern and all things competitive magic. They just had their 100th live stream episode. Congratulations, Congrats, gentlemen. Guys, you did Congratulations. It. That was, that's awesome. They counted down the top 100 cards in modern. Whoa! How long <laughs> at the point of at the time of this recording they haven't actually done it yet. It'll be on Saturday, and this is Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time you're listening to it, they will have already done it. I want a prediction, Jimmy, on how long you think start to finish it takes that stream to count down a hundred cards. It takes us an hour to count down ten on this show sometimes. But we have ten each. They yeah, have hundred yeah, so total. I I would say I'm gonna give them four hours, four hour podcast to count it all down. And at number one, Jace the Mind Sculptor. That's the number one most powerful card in modern. Or number one. Sorry, I don't know if it's most powerful. It's just top one hundred cards in yeah. modern. But well, it, I mean, it they, can they, include cards that were previously banned. I mean, for a specific reason. <clears throat> I think it's that or like Stoneforge Mystic. Do you think they'll do a card that's currently banned? As yeah, that's one? a good point. Maybe it's Lightning Bolt. It might be Lightning Bolt. I'm a big fan of Lightning Bolt, obviously. I bet it's Lightning Bolt because it's sort or of path. Fo- it's format de- uh, defining. I think Lightning Bolt more so because you can take that into account. Whereas mm-hmm. Path is like, well, if they have Path. Right. Unless you're just going to play all hexproof creatures. But modern does make it so that creatures with three toughness or less are way less likely to be played than, yep. you know, depending on the cast cost. Anyway, I don't know a lot about modern, but Alex and Ben do. Um. <laughs> yeah, and our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Make sure you guys check out the video versions of these podcasts where you can see Josh's drone footage. You can see stuff from the vlog as well. Uh, the entire vlog is on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash the command zone podcast so you guys make sure you check that out and big thanks to jeffrey palmer who makes the living card animations that play at the beginning of our episodes with that awesome awesome intro you can find him at living cards mtg on twitter i can feel it coming in the air tonight hold on hold on all right everybody thanks for listening (laughs) bye peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> I had to hold that up for like a long time. They go like this. Peace out. Snip, 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 snip. Rocks. There you go. Rock beat scissors. <laughs>